There we go. We're live. Very nice. If you have any questions while we do this, feel free to put them in the comments. Most important B2B marketing channels in 2023. This is my opinion. Other people will have different opinions. And obviously, B2B is a broad field. So we're going to be focusing on, well, I would say what most B2B companies should focus on. There are some exceptions. Um, so caution is advised, but I would say for 80 to 90% of B2B companies, this will be really relevant channels. Um, and especially when we're talking B2B software companies. All right, we have someone joining here on the Zoom because I'm both doing Zoom and I'm doing LinkedIn Live. Let me share my screen. Evernote because I did prepare a couple of bullet points here. I'm gonna keep this relatively brief and then we can jump into any details if you have any questions. Um, and I mainly picked three ones because I think these are gonna be the most important ones for companies to focus on. These are not necessarily new, but often the new is not necessarily the most important one because it's new and so, First one, LinkedIn Organic. Um, I mean, obviously, this is what we do mostly for customers. This is what I do mostly for me. Um, it's nothing new. It's been around for a while. I think it's going to be tougher in 2023, um, just from the fact that there's more people hopping on, more people creating content, more marketing teams, bigger companies starting to be present on this platform, being active on the platform. And then with the whole chat GPT thing, there will be just a bunch of garbage content and noise out there. So it's just going to be tougher to grab attention. But I still think that it's the biggest opportunity in B2B right now to be posting organically on LinkedIn. Now, on that point, I think the mistake that I see a lot of people do is they either consider LinkedIn an inbound platform or an outbound platform. So either if they consider it an inbound platform, they're creating content, they're posting text posts and videos and all this stuff and hoping that someone sees it and then somehow goes to the website and purchases for them. Or if they see it as an outbound channel, they send all kinds of cold messages to people on LinkedIn. They have whole sequences, how they're messaging people, and they basically see it as a sales channel. And I think neither approach is right or wrong. I think the strongest ap approach is to combine both. And so the way that I think about it is to treat LinkedIn like a 24-7 networking event. So use all the features, right? That means posting, connecting, commenting, messaging, and taking it off the platform, which means posting means you are creating original content yourself on LinkedIn that you're publishing anywhere between two to five times a week. Image posts, text posts, video posts, combination of all of them, carousels, trying to add value to your audience, you know, sharing insights, lessons that you learn, tips, tricks, tools that you found, the regular, right? Then connecting with people, right? So this is kind of a more outbound approach, but really using Sales Navigator, using LinkedIn search function to specifically find people who are potential buyers for you based on job title, industry that they work in, and then connect with them. Not necessarily with a generic message. You might be able to do it with a generic message, but sometimes also just one-on-one -on -one do it manual, look at their profile and connect with them and say something in the connection request of something something you saw in their profile. 
commenting or engaging means you're not just publishing your own content, but you're engaging with other people's content too. You're using the LinkedIn feed, you're commenting on other people's content, thoughtful comments, not just great posts, thank you for sharing, but also like actually, you know, giving pushback or sharing your own two cents or adding on top of what the other person said. One, to be present in other ways because people see your comments. Two, it's a great way to generate content ideas because if you get a lot of likes on a comment that you did, you can then turn that into a standalone post and to build connections, right? To network, right? Because if you're commenting on other people's content and you're engaging, and again, do it with relevant people, not like a random viral cat video you saw on LinkedIn, but like other industry experts, your potential customers, your current customers, right? Other people in your industry sharing their own thoughts and insights um, so that you're building your network and connections. Messaging, same thing. I mean, obviously reply to messages that people send you, but also like be proactive, right? Like if you see a piece of content by someone else and you really liked it, send them a message saying, hey, I saw your post on topic so-and-so really loved your thought about it, right? Or ask a follow-up question, say, hey, I saw your post. What do you think about this other thing? Connecting with people, right? Treat it like a networking event. Like if someone if someone says an interesting thing during a networking event, during a conversation, you're not just going to nod your head and move on. You're going to go back and forth. You're going to share your own thoughts, have a question to them, say something nice to them. Um, ask them why they said it or what their history is or how they got into this industry or what they're excited about or trends that they're thinking about, right? It's both to build connections and to build your network and build relationships, but it's also kind of a market research tool, right? Because if you're doing this with your prospects, with your customers, with other experts in your industry, then you constantly have a pulse on what other people care about and what they're what they're thinking about. And then the last thing, taking it off platform, right? Not everything that starts on LinkedIn has to stay on LinkedIn. You can meet someone for coffee, schedule a Zoom call to get to know each other, you know, meet at a networking event if you're both in the same city, right? Like all of these things, like treat LinkedIn like a 24-7 networking event. And I think that's really the way to stand out as it's going to get tougher and tougher in 2023 to stand out because all of these things will fuel your posting strategy and it takes work right and and anything that takes actual work is always a good good way to stand apart because most people will just be automating things you know auto connecting with people sending generic messages you know, spending no time on LinkedIn or auto-engaging with people sending generic comments like great posts. They will have ChatGPT write their content, right? So like anything you can do to put in the work is gonna uh, benefit and that's what I'm doing too, right? Even with things like this that's being live streamed on LinkedIn right now. And then the last thing that I think is very interesting for B2B companies to think about, which I think more and more companies will start doing, is basically leverage influencer marketing or ambassadors or evangelists. It's all the same thing, just different terms for it, for their B2B marketing. I picked out an example here, which I think is really cool. So this is an example of a company called Bravado, which is a B2B tech-enabled it's kind of like a software, I think, but it's also a marketplace where people can hire salespeople, I think. But it's a B2B company, right? And so this guy, 
who's hilarious, he posts these hilarious, funny, sarcastic, ironic videos and posts on LinkedIn. He calls himself corporate bro. So it's like a meme persona that he's playing. And you can see that he's getting incredible engagement on some of some of his content, right? Because it's like, it's comedy. It's basically LinkedIn comedy. And he has his own thing going on. But they basically hired him. I don't know ex the exact setup. I don't know how, how he's being compensated or whatever as their head of community. And I think the way to think about this is basically that he is a an ambassador or an evangelist or an influencer for this company, right? So I think there are a lot of incredible creators on LinkedIn who have a lot of followers, who get a lot of engagement on their content, and they don't have a lot of things going on. Maybe they're freelancing on their own. Maybe they have a little coaching business. Maybe they're still in college you know, and their student, maybe they're actually a marketing manager somewhere and, you know, getting a marketing manager salary, but like on LinkedIn, they're creating this incredible content that's getting hundreds of likes on every post. And so for B2B companies to think about, can we hire these people to do influencer marketing for us, to be our ambassador, to basically help them do more of what they're already doing, which is create content. And then for them to just associate themselves with their company brand to drive a lot of awareness. I mean, look at how much engagement he's getting, right? And if you're the company who's being associated with this guy, it's going to drive a lot of awareness. So I think there will be a lot more kind of relationships like that where B2B companies will work together with big creators on LinkedIn and affiliate themselves with them. All right, next one, LinkedIn ads. Also nothing new, but I think especially now, what I see is that there's more and more people who are genuinely active on LinkedIn now. LinkedIn is still growing. There's new people coming onto the platform and all of that. And it has been around for a long time. But I, th I think what I'm noticing is just the percentage of people who, genu who are genuinely active on LinkedIn, meaning like they open the LinkedIn app every week, multiple times a week, maybe even every day or multiple times a day and scroll the feed. It's it's just becoming more and more. And the LinkedIn, LinkedIn ads, it's such a great tool to reach the exact people you want to reach. And if you're a B2B company and you know exactly who your persona is, head of community at retail companies with more than 500 employees or heads of HR at software businesses based out of the US who do between one to 10 million in annual revenue, right? If you know it, if you know your persona that well, and you should, then you can directly reach these people and you ensure presence right and i think what what we'll see more of or at least the companies who who will do well is that they'll move their linkedin ad strategy from a lead capture strategy which is kind of this gated ebooks gated checklist where someone needs to fill out a lead form or like a direct link to book a call with a salesperson uh, or product pitches all of this we'll, we'll see less of and we'll see more education. So companies utilizing ads to educate their target buyers and their target accounts around the company, around their offer, around their product, around their benefits, around their features, around their philosophy and approach, um, around their category, 
around why what they do matters in the first place, around how it connects to value, right? Education, in another sense, demand creation, right? It's not just we're the cheapest this, go buy, or we're the best this, go book a call, or we have all the features, go talk to our salesperson, um, right? That's all demand capturing. And I think the real opportunities for companies, especially if they're already doing this, and so they have a content engine going that's churning out lots of you know pieces of content, videos, text posts, image posts, graphics, carousels, that they can then leverage to turn into educational ads by just using the best performers and putting budget behind those, I think is super powerful. And then the last point, podcast strategy. I think podcasts are still very early. Obviously, there's much more, but I think especially in B2B, there's still so much opportunity. It's just still so many more people starting to listen to podcasts, starting to listen to a lot of podcasts. Like my mom is listening to podcasts now. My dad is listening to podcasts now. They're like in their mid 50s, almost 60s, like two years ago, three years ago, they would have never considered listening to a podcast. They didn't even know necessarily what that was. Now they're listening to podcasts, right? And so, you know, when you're trying to reach senior decision makers, um, I think it's still so much opportunity there. And so I think a proper podcast strategy is going to be a big opportunity. And what I mean by a proper podcast strategy is how can you figure out how to add ongoing value that's broad enough to binge because B2B is boring. If you're selling like a B2B software tool that helps companies manage their passwords, right? Let's say you have a password managing management software. What can you really talk about in a podcast that's one hour long and that you're publishing every week? And so it's really tough. And I think it's very easy to have like an alibi podcast to just tell your marketing person, hey, like create some kind of podcast and they do that for you. And there's some generic garbage stuff going out on your podcast or to really think about a proper podcast strategy. And I think for the example of the you know, pa password management software, let's say you're selling to SMBs, right? So you're not selling to big corporations and who have their own head of security or data security or chief information security officers, but you're selling to SMBs. So you're selling into the, the CEO, basically, the owner, the founder. You know, if you create a one-hour episode around password management and why it matters and why it's important and how it works and, you know, how, you know, it could damage your company if, you know, passwords get leaked and you get hacked, you know, that's a nice one hour episodes, but that's it. So like thinking about how can we create a podcast that our target audience, which is owners and CEOs and founders of SMBs can continuously get value from and binge watch? I think that's a really great question to ask. And so in this case, maybe the topic is not password management, but it's data security. Right. It's like a slightly broader topic. Maybe the the podcast topic is organizational resilience. It's how to be resilient against outside potential harms towards your company, whether that might be hacks or password leaks or something else like a recession or a pandemic or something else. Right. That's something that a founder and CEO 
could come back to every single week and keep listening to. But that's also really hard to create because then you need to figure out how can we actually genuinely add value in the area of organizational resilience? I don't know, I'm making shit up right now. So you need to find an expert. So you need to find someone who can actually add value ongoingly on this topic and have a broad enough expertise that you know they can keep adding value even after two or three or four one-hour episodes. And so I think this is where this comes in. You can utilize expert interviews. You don't need to be the expert on organizational resilience. You can invite people, right? You can find all kinds of other people, CISOs and heads of this and heads of that and interesting people who are already posting content on LinkedIn that, you know, you can somehow connect to organizational resilience um, and have them talk and interview them, right? And that way, you're continuously adding adding value to your audience. You're continuously staying top of mind. Your product that you're selling is directly related to the topic that you're talking about, which is organizational resilience, right? Proper password management is one part of that. Um, and you're utilizing experts that have their own audience who can share your podcast so you're getting organic reach or something like live events, which is what I'm doing. I just started doing this a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, you know, I'm doing this on Zoom. I'm live streaming this on LinkedIn. I'm only now starting out, so it's not a lot of people showing up. But my goal is to, like, add value here, at, you know, get real questions from real people and then, you know, turn it into a podcast, right? Like, I'm not just going to put this out on LinkedIn live and hope that someone finds it and that's it. Like, I'm recording this and I'm going to, we're going to upload it on our podcast. Um, so it's like an, leverage way uh, to create content here. So those are the three main ones that I have. I'm going to go into some kind of bets here right now. Let me see if there's any comments on LinkedIn. No, there's not. Um, and then I'm just going to talk about the couple of outside bets a little bit um, that I think are interesting to pay attention to and maybe experiment with, get started on, but not put a lot of resources into. So the first one is YouTube Shorts and TikTok. I'm putting them together because they're basically the same content. They're obviously two different platforms, but if you're creating content for TikTok, you can repurpose it one-to-one -one for YouTube Shorts. And also, like it's not clear to me yet which platform has the most potential. For example, we started, we started creating, turning our own videos that we're creating and have been posting on LinkedIn for a while into TikTok content. And, you know, we just started like two weeks ago or something like that. So you can see some examples here, right? They're not getting incredible engagement. We will see how that turns out. We're going to keep experimenting with that. But I think it is interesting. And if you look at companies like Refine Labs with Chris Walker and you go through the content and you look at the comments that you're getting, it's from real people and adults. Like it's not just 13 year olds. It's like 30 years olds and 40 year olds uh, people in there. And then um, YouTube Shorts. And we've been posting the same videos that we've been posting on TikTok onto our YouTube channel as YouTube Shorts. And so far the organic reach there is much better than what we're getting on what we're getting on TikTok. Oops, shorts. So you can see like we've been posting videos on our YouTube for like over two years now. Um, and you can see we don't really get a lot of engagement here. We don't really put make have YouTube a main priority for us. 
it's mainly like a repository for us to put put things out there and slowly like accumulate SEO and we're starting to rank for certain terms. You can see that for certain things, we're getting some organic hits, right? But you can see it's not a lot. And then we, when we go to shorts, there we go. You can see that, you know, 460, 160, 660, 57, 420, 1,100, 438. Compared to TikTok, which has the same content, we're getting much more organic views. And what's really incredible, and this is anecdotal at this point, but we've been posting, as I said on our YouTube channel, the regular videos for over two years now. And we had like, I think 20 subscribers, I think 19 subscribers after two and a half years of posting. Now, in the last couple of weeks since we started posting this, we grew from 19 subscribers to 47 subscribers within like a couple of weeks, right? So it's incredible. And if you go to some of these videos, you'll actually see that there's real comments by real people giving real pushback or their own two cents. So that it's it's like real stuff. So I'm we're, we're quite bullish on this stuff, stuff right now in terms of experimentation. I don't think companies should pour a lot of like budget into it, but I do think that they should start experimenting with it. All right, Lilita, um, your question. With LinkedIn, would you say, apart from what you mentioned, is it still wise to keep your marketing strategy generic and personal? Lilita, I'm going to unmute you because I'm not sure what you mean with generic and personal, and then you can just... Ask me that question. We can kind of go back and forth a little bit. Okay, so like with your strategy, um, I saw how you were mentioning um what things are currently like um happening right on LinkedIn, and then the type mm -hmm. of trends that you should like maybe like start start to consider. But you understand on a certain like let's say for example, you're focusing on your personal LinkedIn account, right? Yeah, it's always said that in order to market yourself personally, is to keep it. Let me say generic, but keep it organic, for example, right? Keep right. it clear and then um, keep it rooted to what you stand for and personal, right? So like when it comes to business, then mm. does that mean that if you're marketing to another business, does that mean that you have to take away that organicness or that um, personalized um, factor of the company? Like um, maybe starting from where you started and how you mm. got to where you are and then how you got to the product that you're offering and so forth. And then maybe just keep to connecting and then posting organic but um selling content and not so much things that are necessarily directed to the actual core key factors of the company yeah so i think there's two parts to it from what i hear one is like the actual topics that you talk about and then the second one is like how you talk about it like do you talk about it in like a personable you know me finn the person way or do you talk about it in a more kind of generic company brand way and i think in terms of like how to communicate, I think the best companies communicate in a human way. And that means that it's humans out there communicating. Even if you look at companies that have, you know, that are not active on LinkedIn, but if maybe they have website content, the messaging is always, it feels like a real person talking, right? It's not like a corporate account that's using like these buzzwords that doesn't really mean anything. So I think like, it still matters a lot, even if you're a B2B company selling to senior decision makers to show your personality, basically. I mean, that's also how people buy, right? Like if you're on a sales call and the other person is just this robot, this persona, and you know, 
people want to connect with people. And so in the beginning of a sales call, people usually talk about, you know, the weather and how they're doing and, you know, how their family is and what happened and all these things. Right. And so I think the same matters in marketing. So I think companies should be posting both through the personal profiles of their employees and through their company pages and utilize the personality of their employees because it's going to resonate more. Then in terms of topics, for example, for us, like I'm creating my own content that I'm posting on my own personal LinkedIn profile. And then a lot of that we republish and repurpose on our Project 33 company page, but not all of it. So for example, like I talk a lot about marketing and personal branding and LinkedIn, like for example, this stuff that we're doing right now, this content we're repurposing on our company page. But sometimes I talk about personal stuff. I talk about, you know, my hobbies, my side projects, you know, what I got for Christmas, you know, like things that I'm struggling with as a person. Those I'm only sharing on my personal profile and not on the company page, right? So I think there is still a difference in terms of topics that you can that you can do. But I think you do want to have that kind of personality uh, in there and not this generic corporate messaging um, in your marketing. I don't know. Did that answer your question? Um, yes, yes, it did. Also, just another one. Um, mm-hmm. I saw how you were speaking on um, YouTube engagement mm-hmm. and how much that um, for your company currently, um, long content videos aren't really bringing in genet- generic um, views or real-time users, right? And that you've noticed that shorts actually mm-hmm. doing it and also on the platform. Mm-hmm. I just want to ask also, like, do you think that when it comes to B2B um, marketing as well. That applies in the sense of companies don't necessarily have time to be looking at long content or because um, your your short um, content is a lot more engaging and more informative than mm. uh, your long content. I think right now it's just supply and demand. Um, the way that it works on YouTube, for example, there's a separate place for YouTube shorts. Right? You've probably been on the YouTube ad app there's like a regular feed where you see all of the regular videos and then you have a separate feed for the youtube shorts right so they're not mixed into one feed and so what that means is um there's a lot of people right now scrolling this new youtube shorts feed but a lot of people have not yet started to create youtube shorts content So just supply and demand, right? It just means that your chance of being organically discovered by a random person who's scrolling that feed is much, much higher because there's just not a lot of people and companies creating YouTube shorts right now. It's Mm -hmm. the same with all the other platforms, right? Whether it was Instagram a couple of years ago, whether it was LinkedIn two years ago. I mean, I remember when I started on LinkedIn in 2019, basically, like you could make a video about anything. You could make a little video saying, hey, I'm Finn. This is my first LinkedIn video. Good to meet everyone. I'm a little shy. And it would get 5,000 views automatically with with 100 connections. Like you didn't have to have a network. Not because like there was some magic behind it or because these were fake views, but just because at that point in 2019, there was almost no one creating content on LinkedIn, but there was still a lot of people opening the LinkedIn app. And so the chance that your random video or post might be shown to some random person who doesn't know you was much, much higher. 
now you have so much more supply you have so many more people creating content on linkedin that it's just much harder to get this organic stuff. It's still much better on LinkedIn compared to things like Instagram. And so the same thing is happening for YouTube Shorts. It's just not a lot of people creating content for it, but a lot of people scrolling the feed. So you have just supply and demand. And so there's a bigger opportunity right now to be discovered by new people. Did that answer your question too? Yes, it did. Thank you. All right. We talked about YouTube Shorts and TikTok. The last two are basically also YouTube. Um, these two I put on here because uh, we've, we have some customers who are really successful with in-depth, long-form YouTube content that's native to YouTube. What I mean with native is it needs to have visuals. Like a lot of companies that might repurpose their podcast, maybe they have a video podcast and they put it on YouTube because why not? You have a video alongside it. That's already good. We obviously repurpose our own LinkedIn videos on YouTube. As you saw, it's not really crushing it on on youtube the regular videos because it's not our main platform but i think to create long form in-depth youtube content meaning 10 minute plus video length maybe even longer 30 minutes 60 minutes like really in depth and having visual content in it so that someone can't listen to an audio version of it in a podcast they have to watch the video to really get the value from it for example by you sharing like uh, visuals or pieces of content or graphs and and uh, and graphics um, or you know pictures you know things that people need to actually look at. I think there's still lots of opportunity there. And same with YouTube ads. We have a customer who's crushing it right now with YouTube ads. They're they're in the B two B service space. They have a services company, but they're selling to um, relatively young company owners of e commerce brands and DTC brands. So they have a specific audience that's maybe different to um, other B2B companies. Maybe they're more active on YouTube. Um, personally, I haven't played around with YouTube ads yet. So I, that's why they're in this in this section because I can't vouch for it fully, but we've seen some really incredible results that some of our customers have seen with these things. And so I'm putting it on here because I think there's still a lot of opportunities and it's not really something that you see a lot of B2B companies pay attention to. Like I think for B2C companies, there's much more in terms of YouTube ads, but B2B companies are not are not uh, paying as much attention. So I just wanted to highlight these things here. I think those are the main things. Uh, let me check LinkedIn if there's any questions. Um, and then Lil Lilita, if you have any other questions, feel free. And otherwise I'll, uh, I'll wrap it up here. By the way, we do this every, I do this every two weeks. Um, still experimenting with it in terms of like Zoom and LinkedIn Live. Sometimes I'm streaming through my own personal profile, sometimes through Project 33's page. So it's still all experimental. But for now, I'm doing it every two weeks. So in two weeks, which is what, January 25, 25th, um, unless my wife gives birth on that day because she's She's due on January 27th, so two days after that, and you know, babies never come on schedule. So unless that happens, I'll be doing another one of these uh, same time, 4 p.m. Central Eastern Time. Cool, awesome. No further questions, Lilita. Thank you so much for joining. You're the only one in here. You're part of the experiment. I appreciate you so much and spending the time here. See you hopefully, maybe in the next one in two weeks. All right, bye bye.